the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Looking for a mobile measurement partner? Or like the cool kids like to say, an MMP? Well, we've got you covered with our partner, Airbridge.io. Experience an unparalleled, accurate, and unified view of your mobile marketing performance, even in today's dynamic landscape shaped by privacy changes. What's more, Airbridge has recently launched MMM Studio, setting a new standard as the only MMP offering a self-service marketing mix modeling solution. Say goodbye to guesswork and hello to data insights. Learn more by going to their website, airbridge.io. That once again is airbridge.io. Notix is an audience re-engagement service based on web and in-app push notifications that work for both desktop and mobile devices. With Notix, website app owners and marketers can share their content and interact with their audiences in a highly engaging channel while still having the opportunity to monetize both mobile and web subscribers. Learn more by visiting notix.co. That is an O-T-I-X dot C-O. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and more importantly, those revenues. And today I've got a phenomenal guest. He's one of my early guests back in 2013. Yes, can you even imagine that far back? And he's gone on to sell his first startup, which we featured in 2013. And now he's got a great AI-powered news app that we're going to really break down. And the key thing is how he's using AI to increase the app and great engagement, hopefully increase those revenues and everything else that happens when you work on the engagement side. I know people are in the comments and we started a little bit late, but let's, without further ado, let's bring in Ian Mendiola. Oh, I so screwed up his last name. <laughs> Ian Mendiola. All right, here we go. Ian, welcome hey. back, my friend. <laughs> What's up? I was not going to say your last name, and then I was like, oh, I'll try it again, and then just got twisted. As, no, you as did. You did perfect. You did perfect. <laughs> Dude, how's life been? Thank you, for one, for coming back, because I was looking back at our journey, and I was like, you know, it would be really fun to catch up with a lot of the people that were early on and you know said yes to me when it was just like a pipe dream. But how's life changed for you since the sale of Umano? Um, you know, it's kind of been the same. I mean, I've just been... Um, you know, on the personal side, I had two kids. Uh, well, I got married first, and then I had two kids. <laughs> um, and then on the professional side, I mean, I've just kind of been doing the same thing, you know, building products, um, you know, trying to really improve the craft. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun over the past few years. Well, you got this new product up, AI Powered News Gem. Talk to me about like, what prompted you? I know AI is something that we're all talking about. Frankly, it was something that's been around for quite some time. But like, talk to me about like, Umano was, for those who don't remember, it was an app that I absolutely love when it launched. It was helps you. It reads the news to you. And I was like, this is perfect. I love audiobooks. I love podcasts. I would just love to listen on the go. But talk to me about the genesis of Gem. Yeah, so, um, you know, Gem started first and foremost for like 
our love for news and media. It's why we started Umano. We were just like what most people call like infovores where we just love consuming content. And so this kind of carries on that thread. Um, you know, when we were kind of looking at the landscape uh, of technologies and, and potential things we could work on, uh, obviously generative AI was like one of the big things. Um, and we had this general thesis that like most people, AI would kind of change a lot of different categories. Many people were thinking about AI in the context of, of like improving SaaS tools. Um, and you didn't hear much around the consumer side other than kind of the profile picture apps. And so we started from that and, um, you know, we asked ourselves like, what's AI really good at? And it's, it's really good at generating content. Um, it's obviously really good at summarizing. And so we kind of put the two together and we thought, hey, you know, we could probably apply it to news and create um, an AI powered news app. And the North Star for us was to basically build a, uh, your personal AI journalist. And that was sort of the North Star. And mm. then from there, we kind of, you know, built out the product to be what it is today. Was it hard to come up with such a succinct North Star? Um, not really, because <laughs> I don't know, it just... Um, everyone was talking about the, the concept of co-pilots. So that was kind of already incepted in our head. And so it wasn't that much of a leap to think about like, what would a co-pilot look like if, it, if its only job was to uh, essentially like write you news articles um, mm. that you were interested in and, and fit the format that you liked consuming things in. I like it. Yeah. Letter grade was like, I remember Umano. I used to use it. I used yeah. it back in the day. It's crazy. I mean, you could search that. You could search Umano now and you could find like Reddit posts and like Quora posts about people, first of all, being so pissed that, you know, Dropbox had shut it down and a lot of people asking for for us to like bring it back and that sort of thing. And so I've debated maybe bringing it back as a lifestyle business. And it, it, it does make sense. You know, it, it's more scalable now that you could obviously use generative AI to, yeah. um, to create uh, the audio. But it also makes it where it's there's less of a moat in terms of uh, building a product like that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I Maybe like in it. my spare time. <laughs> yeah, Umano, if you guys don't remember, you guys had like professional voice artists that would read the news. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was kind of the hard part of the whole thing was yeah. like building up that marketplace. Um, that it wasn't easy to replicate that overnight. So yeah, we had voice actors that would record content every day for us. Yeah, it's it was pretty cool. All right, I want to get into this LinkedIn post that you had. <coughs> really, honestly, it prompted me. I was like, oh, I saw you, and I was like, oh, what's he up to? And I was like, oh, I should reach out to him. And so you've been able to two x your click through rate for the push notifications. And obviously, for a news app, we're going to rely on push notifications. And you got a whopping sixteen percent click through rate on your push notifications. Walk me through this post. Yeah, so um, you know. I posted it because I was getting a lot of uh, comments from early users uh, DMing me and they were saying like, hey, I really love the push notifications. They're so spot on. And I was getting like, you know, a handful of these, this sort of feedback every week or so. And then at some point I, I got the idea while I was at the gym that like, hey, this could make actually make a really good uh, LinkedIn post because I'm trying yeah. to like post more. Yeah. Um, and so... And so that was kind of what incepted it. Then my co-founder and I went into the actual data. We wanted to see like, hey, what people are telling us, is that like factually true? And we saw we were like tracking our kind of tap uh, through rate and and then kind of putting that against benchmarks. And like, holy crap, like this is actually 2x. This would make one, that's really awesome. And two, 
this would actually make a way better LinkedIn post than I thought because there's actual data to, mm. to support it. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of like what incepted the post. Um, and I just, honestly, I just wanted to share my learnings around like, hey, we actually used AI in this small but novel way to actually increase, um, to increase uh, tap rates on notifications, which is a big deal when you're like building mobile apps, especially at scale. I like it. And was it just about, you know, walk me through this post, like scoring, we're using signals. So like, how are you, what are you thinking about? Is it just like personalized to every single person as well? Like, what are you doing from an AI perspective to get such a high engagement? Yeah. So there's sort of two parts to it. Um, the first part is uh, the, cool. the AI is, we use generative AI to kind of drive the feed. So the experience in the product is you like swipe through content, like, um, like you would on TikTok, mm-hmm. um, and we use uh, some some sort of heuristic based stuff, but also some AI based stuff to actually like rank that feed, um, and that that happens basically by looking at things like you know what is the actual content of this article, not just what are the keywords or whatnot or what category is it in, but like what is this actually talking about, and then comparing a user's previous uh, interactions with the app to like this new piece of content. Um, and then we would use that to basically score relevance. And then what you end up with is like a feed that's supposed to go from most relevant to maybe least relevant. Mm-hmm. And then for the notification, it was literally about just taking the top item in the feed because that was supposed to be the strongest single one and then sending that as a notification. So that was kind of like part one. And then part two was using AI to actually generate the copy for the, um, for the notification. Interesting. Um, and and, and, you know, as I said, what I, when I led with the, you know, generative AI and these LMs are really good at creating content, they're actually like pretty good if you give it the right instructions to actually like craft a really good headline um, and, and to increase your chances that people will actually click on it. And so that's kind of what you're saying here. I like it. Share what you want, Ian, but I'm going to poke and prod. But sure. what are the what are the learns you've got in terms of like why not just use the headline of the article? Why have AI create a, a better headline that actually you know why have a the notification messaging? Yeah, so if you think about a headline, that um, it's like you know not to knock on media companies or journalists or whatever, but like, you know, they write their headlines in a certain way. Um, you know, they're, they're optimizing for clicks sometimes and it's not really that informative and it's what people call clickbaity. Um, sometimes the styles are a bit old and they're, they're actually like not interesting enough to click on. Whereas like, if you go on something like Twitter, you have all these people that have really crafted how to get people to engage with content in like, I don't know, 200 characters or less or whatever. And so, um, and so we were like, well, how do we get that? Like, how do we get like really good punchy Twitter, like tweets in the form of a notification? Cause that seems to be what people really like to engage with. Right. And so without <coughs> going into too much detail about it, we, um, <laughs> we basically used other people's tweets that we really liked and, oh. and, and that like wrote really good 200 character summaries of like news events and different accounts. And then we use that to basically do a, a, a few shot learning strategy on getting the AI model to like basically effectively produce the same type of style um, and format as popular tweets. Um, so, um, and so that ended up being better than just what one person at some X publisher would write themselves. Mm, I like it. 
I like it. So you would take, oh, wow, this is great, man. This UI is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> this is awesome. And that's it, huh? This yeah. is great. Yeah. And, you know, you could share it, obviously. And you could, I mean, we're kind of like our entire team are like a bunch of engineering nerds. So if you, if you click on the top right, you could change okay. the theme to like a chat GPT theme or like a um, solarized theme and stuff like that. And so we have some fun little features here. But yeah, the core is really swipe through AI generated kind of like news summaries. And then if you want to learn more, you swipe up and you get AI generated points. I like the, what I like the original one, the dark. This is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Why launch is a free app? Like it's completely free right now. Um, it's uh so number one, it's um it it is early. Like we just launched maybe like a few months ago, and so yeah. we're really trying to encourage people to like use it so that we could get feedback. So that's like number one. Um, number two, um, you know, media and content is really hard because there's a lot of it, and p- these days consumers expect it to be free, and so you know, it's not completely obvious out the gate to like charge for something like this. And um, so I think that's like the main reason why that we decided not to charge for it up front. But, you know, we've obviously discussed it internally. What's, I mean, you know, I would love your perspective on AI and what, you know, I love that push notification. So if this is the the reason, but I had this question for my previous guest who was talking a lot about AI, like what is one of like the most proudest things you built with AI within the last few months? Well, it's gotta be Gem. I mean, it's, um, did you use AI to code the gem too? You're like, no, no, no we know no. how to do that. <laughs> no, we know how to do that part. But I mean, but I did use, I mean, I did use ChatGPT a lot to like basically help me build the iOS app. So, nice. um, you know, I think I, I think, yeah, I think I have a, a huge productivity boost with that. But, um, the reason why I'm proud of gem, that's like the one that I, I like the most out of all the AI products that I've done is it's, um, it's actually an amazing use case for these generative models. Like, I've been down the path where you try to use generative models to like, uh, you know, automate workflows like at work or whatever, or like you try to give like this uh, assistant instructions and it's supposed to do this thing. The thing that I found is that like these LLMs are pretty, they're not the greatest at, at things that need to be, that need to be like deterministic, right? Because one time you'll give an instruction it will do exactly as you will. And, you know, at some point, if there's like one modification, it will go off the rails and and then not do the thing that you do. And that's really bad, let's say, if you were infusing this as part of like your banking service or your investing product. You're like, buy me, you know, $10,000 worth of, uh, you know, Google stock. And somehow you miswrote it or misinterpreted you. And somewhere in the system, it, it did the wrong thing. And then you ended up buying $10,000, you know, dollars worth of something else. Like that could be really bad. Um, and so what, these, what they are really good at, though, is I actually think hallucination is a feature. And the ability for it to actually generate content that you wouldn't expect is a feature. And so applying that superpower of LLMs to something like news and content is actually like a, a really, is like a, in my opinion, um, using the LLM in, in the right way and what it's good at. And so that's kind of why I really liked it. And then, uh, you know, you saw the app on the surface, it seems really simple, but the pipeline end to end, which I think a lot of people don't understand to get this thing to work requires a lot of things to go right what from like how you ingest the data to like how you clean the data to like how you get the the prompts you use to get the LM to to do what you want it to do to then have this like really elegant output that that a consumer can use right away without with AI basically in the background I like it I think hey. it's really challenging to do that so that's why I like this 
you know, I like this product a lot. I do want to commend you on one thing. I, I like to look at the little things that the app does, right? Here's the thing that I really love. The fact that you kind of like show the, you don't just show the key points all at once. You kind of just like that little slight animation. Really, really cool. Yeah. And what's crazy is that this is, this is all pre-computed already, right? Like we've already mm-hmm. done the work, otherwise it wouldn't be performant. And we decided to like keep that um, to basically communicate to the user because they're used to their experience with ChatGPT that this is, the, this is AI generated and to kind of have them infer that to be the case. So that's why we, that's why we decided to keep it. And then, yeah, it creates this like cool effect as well. Yeah. Beautiful for that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say hi to a few people. What's up, Nurich? You're the first one to come on. Happy to see you, bro. Always on live stream. Ricardo couldn't make it, but he wanted to just pop in and say hi. And then I just said, Luis said he's here. Miguel's here. We got Adrian. Hey, Adrian. All right. And then we got Kathy. We're going to be looking at Kathy's app. She's got a Taro reading app. I think I said that right. What's up, Kevin? Dylan. Romaine is here. Number seven. And then Cooking Gent as well and then we did have a what's up sam any reason why gem is ios app ios only um so on the engineering side like you know we've debated using react native and and doing native and i've just always been an ios developer um and so i'm most comfortable in that so that's kind of point number one point number two is like when i surveyed you know my senior engineering friends at different companies uh, really popular ones like Discord and Snapchat and things like that. You know, when I got their feedback, there was always an issue around performance with React Native when you're really trying to do something unique with the UI. Mm. And so that didn't make sense. And then number three is because it's early stage, like you need to get the the early stuff right first. And so it's fine to just have one platform on iOS, get that right, then expand into other uh, into other platforms. So. Those are the main reasons why we decided to stick with iOS. I love it. I'm working on, so Cooking Gent says, I'm working on a football live score app and I want to incorporate an AI system with access to the internet. Ian, any advice on what resource to look at? Um, let's see. I mean, so we use OpenAI for ours. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a whole bunch of other providers. There's a bunch of open source models. We found OpenAI to be like the easiest to get off the ground. And so if you're like in that zero to one phase and you're just prototyping stuff and you want like the easiest thing, I highly recommend kind of going down that path and not getting too bogged down by finding the correct model or finding the open source one that has all these features X, Y, Z. I think you could move really fast prototyping uh, your app uh, on something like OpenAI. And then, you know, once you, once it's working in some sense and there's a reason to move off to another model, then you can start doing that. But in the earliest stages, I'd stick to I'd stick to OpenAI. I like it. And Sam has a question. Sam Technical Lab. I want to spin this question a little bit. Do you plan on launching Gem for the Android store? And then I've got a follow up after that. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it. You know, once we feel like we got the core right with the iOS app, and there's obviously enough demand across other platforms, then yeah, definitely we'll we'll build an Android app. So Sam, here's the better question. I knew he was going to say yes. The better question is, what metrics do you feel like you need in place before you launch the Android app? Um, good question. Oh, thank so you. right now, the, <laughs> right now the uh, the big thing for us is obviously figuring out customer acquisition. And so I think like once we feel good about customer acquisition and we feel like we can grow the thing, then we'd probably start to expand into other platforms. 
Okay. And we got questions coming in. Letter grid word game. <laughs> Thank you. Open does open AI does open AI charge for API usage? So you so do you need to make sure you monetize at some point? Um, they do charge for API usage, but the cost of that has been going down dramatically over the past few months. I think yeah. like, you know, uh, we 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 cover like 80% of the news, right? That I think most people would care about. And I think our bill is something like $400 a month or something like that. So, you know, wow. totally affordable for, for a venture back startup. But does that change as you get more users too? No, it doesn't because okay. they're all consuming the same the same content. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I like it, man. I like it. Any ideas? Like, do you have any predictions on where this AI trend is going? Um, which part of it? I don't know. I don't know, man. You you start. What are you what's on your mind? Um yeah, I think the big thing on everybody's mind, and I kind of share this as well, uh, is because it's just been so easy to adopt and deploy that mm-hmm. like all the value so far at least on the application side is accruing to like the big companies. Like I think Google just launched like um, generative AI across all their like work workplace products. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that basically just kills a bunch of these startups that were like, you know, we're going to be the AI powered for, you know, docs or AI powered for like email or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I think that's where it's kind of different. And so I think everyone's trying to figure out like, well, how, what are the things what does a, a startup need to do in order to like actually win in this, given that like incumbents are, are um, doing such a good job adopting the technology. Um, and so that's, that's the big question on my mind. Um, I think my, my best guess is that, you know, we'll figure it out and there'll be some sort of like, new way of thinking about how people use applications that only an only a startup could actually pull off. And then, and then we'll look back on it and be like, Oh, but that was so obvious. Um, you know, uh, so, and, and that'll probably happen in, you know, next few years. So. Hey, Ian, I want to circle back to what you said before you launched the Android, you want to figure out like user acquisition. Okay. Are you, let me dive deeper, dig deeper along this. Like, are you looking for like user because you don't have monetization on yet, are you looking for the lowest cost per engagement? Like, how are you measuring user acquisition and when is the right signal to go into Android? Yeah, um, we're definitely, a lot of the kind of experiments that we run, it, they're, they're on the kind of more on the organic side of user acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, off, off the bat, we know that it will be, because there's a lot of newsreader apps and things like that off the bat doing paid act will be very expensive. I think we ran a quick test and I mean, by no means was our campaigns optimized or anything like that, but you know, off the bat, you know, I think it was something like 15 or $30 per install. And it it was just insane. And if you look at the average kind of like um, the average uh, revenue per user for like a news app like this, it's like, it's on the order of like, a few dollars or something like that. So it just doesn't make sense. So we're, we're, we're all the experiments you run are kind of more on the organic side. And so we're really thinking about like, how do you create really good content that people want to share and then make it easy for them to, to be able to do that. Mm, I like it. Hey, one curious question I had personally was like, since the, the sale of Umano, you've got a victory under your belt. Has your approach to building a startup changed? Now you've got some money in the bank and you know, 
you got these connections, you've got this win, might be easier to raise money. Like, how's your approach to building that startup changed? Um, in some ways, it's gotten easier. In some ways, it's actually gotten harder. So on the ways that it's gotten easier is because you do have that track record, getting started is a lot quicker um, from like the recruiting or fundraising standpoint of things. Um, so that's that's obviously like really good. On the, the, the difficult parts, though, is um, uh, like whenever you kind of build something, you, you try to learn from your last experience. And then you have all this knowledge about like what makes a startup bad or a product bad. And you lose that like superpower of being totally naive to like really dumb ideas, which is often <laughs> where there's some magic. And so like, you know, we, we, we try to stop ourselves from doing this, but it's, we still do it, but like, we'll like over analyze the crap out of a product or we'll say that's a dumb idea and there's no shot that will work. And those are the same things that like a new founder would look at and be like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then they'll go off and they'll, they'll, they'll try the thing. And mm -hmm. then it just so happens with a combination of skill and luck, that thing that they tried, which sounded really stupid, actually ended up working. And so I think a lot of like repeat founders uh, fall into that. But on the flip side, like repeat founders also really good at like identifying the, the very um, risky things that are just like outright, like really dumb ideas. Yeah. And so, um, and so they do get a head start uh, from first time founders in that regard. Okay. I'm going to follow up the, one of the risky things, do you remember something that you're like, oh, a lot of founders, maybe first-time founders, do this one risky thing that's just not worth the time? Um, less on the risky thing, but I think what second-time founders are really good at is like this idea of actually identifying a, a problem and then being able to validate it and then building a solution against that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's second-time founders that still fall into that bucket and do that but you'll often see that with first-time founders is they'll um you know they'll work on something because it's because it's cool or because it, it's a technology and they don't have like a real problem in mind and so that's the one thing that i've and they don't really know how to validate it in in the right way and so that's the one thing that i've seen second-time founders do really well is they they can run through that process a lot better yeah how did you validate gem um good question uh because we're we're engineers and we can build, that's kind of the best way that we can validate things. Like that's number one. And so we just launched a really basic version of the product. It didn't have a lot of the features that you saw. And then we just wanted to get initial signal on whether or not people who like to read news enjoyed that format. That was number one. Um, yeah, that, that, that was like that was like the main thing that allowed us to sort of validate it in a sense but there's still a lot of validation along the way that that we have to do in terms of umano you're, you're saying like you know the second time founders hey this is a bad idea <laughs> and then you're like do you remember something you're like at umano you're like hey well, let's try this crazy idea because let's just see if this works um i mean the whole the whole the whole the whole app the whole business <laughs> idea was that right like, dude for sure <laughs> I, I think as a second time founder you'd be like Oh, what? Why would why would you like why would you build a business that finds voice actors across the world to then record content and upload it? Like it just sounds like such a a wild idea that I think like most seasoned people would talk themselves out of. Yeah. Um for a lot of different reasons, whether it's hey, it's too hard to build this marketplace, like where are you gonna find them? You know, it's a small TAM, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think, I think you would second time founders would prompt those questions and then they wouldn't even try it. So I think the whole thing falls into that category. Now that you've sold Umano, do you feel like there's added pressure to do something even bigger at all? Um, no, because I think like, yeah, not really. Uh, because I mean, when you're building a startup, I think like you're always starting from the point where you want it to be really big, especially if you're going on the venture track. I don't know many people that start a venture back company and are like, I want to work on the small thing. So I think you're always, you're always kind of whatever the largest thing in that moment is, you're always trying to go for it. I like it. You know? And do you have, all right, here, I hate these number one things, but I'll do it anyway. Do you have your like number one startup advice to founders building an AI product? Oh, um, huh. Um, I mean, it's got to go back to what I said earlier, because it's just so important. So I hate to beat a dead horse, but if you're good, like, don't just play around with the technology and build something because it's like, I mean, it's always great to like tinker with things, but you know, don't try to build a business because, um, you know, there's a new technology and starting from the technology and really, uh, I don't think anything's changed with generative AI. I think you still need to go back to the basics around identifying the real problem and and making sure that it's like a big one that people want and then and then go from there um I, versus you know being tempted to starting start from the technology and then and then trying to build a startup around that do you have an example um of com- like i don't have specific examples of companies in mind that that but like somebody who's that. starting with the technology and then trying to build the product out of it versus like thinking about the product and using the technology to help support the product. Um, so I don't have, I don't have specific examples of companies that have done that because I think they either eventually figure out a problem and then, and then are doing well. Uh, but, but you know, it's, it, it is something that happens where it's like uh, people will be like, Oh, the new, the iPhone's out. What can you build with an iPhone? Um, and then, you know, they start with that and like, yeah. would do people want to use, uh, like, how can we give people like, I think one maybe category of things is like, uh, you know how there was like those location based, like social products where you could like yeah. see where your friends are. At, um, yeah. like or maybe like, or maybe like, or maybe like the, the, the products where it's like meet up with your friends and organize things. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, Oh, we have access to location. What's some cool shit we could do with it. Oh, what if we just showed everyone like where your friends are? Um, and build a business around that. But then if you like unpack it, it's like, well, why do I want to see who my friend is? And can't I just send them a text? And I don't really have that problem. Right. So I think that's probably the best example. I like it. It's a good one. <laughs> you think on the fly. It's, it's hard, but that's a good one. There you go. All right. You know, I got a few more questions, but let's get into the app audit section of our show. And we cool. like to start off. You need some help on some dad jokes. We like to start off every app audit segment with some dad jokes. Kathy, if you got a dad joke, help help Ian out because he needs one. All right. Ian, I don't have the best ones. I think you're going to win. But usually I like to play for drinks or dinner on whoever loser pays. All right. All right, Ian, I got one. Since we're talking about a mobile app show, I've got one right here. Ian, I think my phone is broken. I pressed the home button, but I'm still at work. <laughs> Ian, uh, Ian, can uh, you put it in the comments below? We'll play for something. No. Okay. We got 
Jia Yin, I think I sp- said your name right, Jia Yin, he or she wants feedback on UI, UX, and monetization. So this is okay. a uh, helps you just really figure out how much battery life you let you have. So <laughs> anything on the app store presence you want to call out, Ian? Um, okay, so first of all, there's nothing to really critique about this. I think this is really, this is great. I mean, oh, yeah? I love I love the name. Uh-huh. It's not like some generic one. It's very specific around what it does. Uh, the value prop is very clear. Never forget to charge. That's that I I, I have done that many times in the past. Um, the actual like uh, screens and the the visuals are really well done as well. Um, at least on the the app store, we'll get into the actual app. And but from yeah. what I see on the app store screenshots, it it definitely looks really polished. So like yeah, it. good job on that. I think the the thing that I would say is. I would probably move the never forget to charge right here and then, you know, kind of show like, hey, you know, all your devices in one simple, you know, UI or one simple interface, right? One simple screen to see all your devices. Because a lot of times it's, it's the iPods that, or the iPods, the the AirPods that really run out of battery for me. And I have no idea. It just sneaks up on me. Usually my phone's constantly charged, but not yeah. my AirPods. But yeah, that would be, that would be my winning point. I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, like I always know, how much life I have on my phone, but I never know on my AirPods. And so I can yeah. see it in one simple widget. Yeah, actually on that point, the exquisite widgets decorate your screen. That's a very interesting kind of thing to lead with. Usually like things around like customizing, like decorate your screen, et cetera, et cetera. And visuals are, are things that I've seen normally be left to the end and kind of, unless that's like the core thing, but it seems Might like be. the core, yeah, it seems <laughs> like the, I mean, the decorate your screen part. Yeah, I'm not sure, but. I do like this app though. I'm like, yeah. you, I was like, you know what? You're right. I want to know how my Air, my yeah. AirPods are doing. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Really I, it. yeah, I think maybe a better like text for that first screen would be like, uh, all your, all your devices, all your devices, battery life in one screen, like something yeah. like that. That way it's like, okay, this is clearly what it does. And then you can kind of look up there and you're just like, okay, never going to forget to charge in. And you can kind of piece together what the problem solution is for sure. Yep. And then, and then the name is, is great because you know, it's, um, it's simple, it's catchy and it's very descriptive around like generally what the product's about, but that's probably the only wonder, thing. Like first screen would be like, you know, what, what's the actual solution? And I wonder if there's like other things like maybe a Tesla and you can see how much, you know, miles you got left. This would be interesting if it, as he expands on this, but Let's take a look at the app. I really like where he's headed. All right, let's here we go. Notification. Don't mind that. Oh man! All right, all right. You you go first. That's all I saw. That was the first screen. That's it. This is where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, normally what I like to do is like on the main screen is to have some like call to action about what's the first thing that I should do. Yeah. One, it just like looks visually more pleasing because it's it fills the screen. Obviously, it doesn't look like broken in a sense. Um, and then two, it just makes it very clear, like what the user is supposed to do next um, to get started. So that's, I think it's missing that, like um, that sort of splash screen or that empty state, if you will. Um, yeah. Initially I thought it's because your internet broke or like, and you weren't connected or something. So yeah, that's, a, I think that's a big one. <laughs> I know. I was trying to tell you, nope, this is literally what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah. so here's what you could do. Okay. Remind users. Here's how I like uh, optimal onboarding. Remind users what the app does. So all your batteries 
in one simple interface, right? Like you can see it with, and then you swipe and then you like customizable widgets where you can see everything. And then you ask like, hey, what are these devices do you own? AirPod, iPad, Tesla, I don't know, whatever you know your users, but like ask them that and then be like, cool, then show them the paywall because you want monetization help. You got to show your paywall during the onboarding process. And it's like $5, like you should be killing it with this for five dollars and then even after they say no you take them to add the device like boom get add your device this should be the screen you want to lead users because like ian said you know this is what i learned i'm not a designer ian but there's an empty state there's a full state and there's no state. and most designers design for the ideal state and i was like what does the empty state look like and your empty state jian yin is but ugly it's it's just not it's just too empty like i don't know what to do because ian thought it broke and I was like, nope, Ian, this is how it looks like. So just almost like this is the next. Are week. you tapping the plus button up there to like bring tapping that up? Button. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. And see, I'm testing. I am tapping the plus button up there. Yeah. I mean, like, you, like, I think you were saying this, but you can either have the list of, of actions directly on there, or you can even, if you want to like optimize for what's fastest, you could have a button that essentially does what the plus button does on the right, but it's just clearer mm-hmm. that like, Hey, this is what you should do. And I, yeah, I like I liked your thoughts around like reiterating the value prop um, though. Like, you know, that's really useful if they like close the app and then they come back and like, what's this thing again. But right. I suspect that like right off the bat, if they're going for the install flow and they've made the conscious decision to install it, they should have some sense of what the, what the product does. Right. It's, it's still searching. Maybe it needs something, but yeah, that's what I would do. I think you got a great app, man. I think this is a great idea. I've seen like these little niche apps make a lot of money. And so for an app like this, I think you can even test pricing a little bit. Oh, personal time. So I didn't notice, like be careful with these long pay- paywalls. I do promote a long paywall, but at the same time, look, I am on an older iPhone 8. But at the same time, like most people don't know yeah. And based on the UI that I can scroll. And so that was missing. And I think for an app like this, you can charge a lot more. Like, People have thousands of dollars of devices that they want. So like $5 is really nothing for most people for an app like this. And so think about ways where you might be able to charge a bit more than just $5, maybe $10, you know, play around with pricing because the higher you go, again, we we have thousands of dollars of devices that we're trying to get an eye on and it's a niche market. And so that TAM total addressable market might be smaller, but at the same time, you know, that average order size or revenue per user goes up because, you know, you're an iPhone user. These are thousand dollars products. Yeah, Any that's other? right. That's right. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, the, the the thing below the fold is such a huge thing. I mean, I'm sure if you track the funnel, you, you'd see like, hey, I don't understand why aren't a bunch of people converting. And then you realize it's something as simple as like, hey, people just didn't know that the button existed. Like that yeah. happens a lot, you know? Um, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I've seen this, Ian, where, you know, we've been playing around with certain permissions during the onboarding and certain permissions. I don't have any data on this Bluetooth, but I do have data on photo and video, right? When you ask for for a photo video editor app, makes sense. Asking for the photo video permissions before the paywall actually increased the conversions versus asking for it after. And so that's why I'm advocating for an onboarding process, like test, you can test like asking for it right now. Like I try to add my trackpad and I yep. couldn't 
add it because you needed Bluetooth, but you never asked me for Bluetooth. I was just trying to add my trackpad, right? Like, so that's why I'm kind of like have that during the onboarding. You can say, look, Hey, we can connect if I have a trackpad. Right. And then I go, yeah, I would love to know the battery life of my trackpad. Okay, cool. You need to turn Bluetooth on. Boom. Now you got me. And now way, I'm more way engaged, way more engaged. So that when I'm hitting your paywall, it's like, makes sense. Ready to buy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you don't want any, yeah, you don't want any friction the moment that I had the intent to like actually purchase something. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, one of the things that I found is, you know, asking hard things like the permissions um, is best to do upfront because they're like in the most excited state, right? Like they, yeah. they've just installed your app. You have not let them down yet. And so like, that's your chance to be, basically get them to like do this thing, which is like, give me access to your photo or your camera. Yeah. Whereas like, if you kind of wait a little bit down uh, the funnel, it's like, okay, they went through your app and they're like, I don't get it. What's this blank screen? Oh, this UI looks janky. Do I trust you? And then, and then suddenly you start to ask for like microphone permissions and you're like, no. And then, and then they like remove and then you don't get to experience like the value prop. So uh, yeah, definitely. And you see a lot of really good apps do this. They, they definitely ask for those permissions up front. Yeah. Be careful with the health. We've seen that health asking for the health permissions too early actually decreases conversion rates. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. That would you make have to sense. Test it yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like, okay, yeah. Health, you know, maybe more private. So it's really weird what people, what increases and what decreases conversions. Yeah. Okay. Kathy says, sorry, Ian, she can't come up with any jokes for you. On the fly. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right. Ian, before we go to the next app audit, you know, any tips on fundraising? You've raised money for Umano. You've raised money for Gem. You know, what's what's the difference between, you know, maybe for Umano versus Gem? And then any tips on for those who are looking to fundraise as well? Yeah, the, the, the second time is definitely a lot easier because, again, as I mentioned, you have a track record. Um, you, you've also built relationships over time with, with um, investors. And so, and that just takes time. Like you need to get to know these partners. And so when it comes time to actually fundraise, it's usually a lot smoother. Whereas like your first time, you, you're spending the time both building the relationship, getting to know the person, then asking them for money. It's just, there's obviously a, a lot of time and like friction required for that. So, so that's definitely um, makes it a lot easier. Um, I think the, the the big tip is like if you think about what these investors are trying to optimize for, it's like they need this like one thing to basically pay off the rest of their really bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. And so if your thing doesn't even meet the bar of like this could be massively successful and be the next whatever Salesforce or like Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever then then it's not even like it, it just doesn't even meet that bar right um so i think that's kind of like number one and it you know you could you could have that vision and it's part of your pitch and that might be very different than what you actually your actual execution plan and your roadmap and and that's okay but it's a it's definitely a, an exercise around kind of pitching them on hey this could be the 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 big thing that essentially makes your economics for your business work you know? Yeah. Um, and oh. then number two, I think it's like, it's like in any sort of sales and marketing thing, like you definitely want to, there's, there's, especially today, there's so many people you can talk to. And so you should definitely optimize for people that already share your thesis. So you're not spending Once they have their thesis, it's really hard to convince them otherwise. And so it's just going to end up being a waste of time 
I mean, if you want to do it just for practice and get the reps in and like refine your pitch, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to actually do it to close money, then that's not the best use of time and energy. And so you definitely want to be very deliberate about seeking out the partners that are like, um, uh, that share your vision already. And the good part about the internet today is like everyone is sharing their thoughts on Twitter, they're writing blog posts, Substack, et cetera. So it's pretty quick to see like what their worldview is and whether or not it aligns with, with what your worldview is for the company. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably like the, the, the two. Yeah. Top. I love your top perspective one. on this because I, you know, I work with a lot of people and sometimes I feel like there's this mismatch. So I get it with, when you're talking to VCs, here's the vision, right? But when you're actually building the product, you kind of alluded to this. It needs to be very focused, right? The vision's broad, big, great goal. And then too many times they're trying to build a vision in V1. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's your V1 is completely different. Like Facebook had this vision. Facebook was not Facebook when they launched. It was just for Harvard. Yeah. It was just a black car, right? Like you forget that these guys were really tiny and really focused on a niche. Yeah. First, and then their, their vision, you know, they ultimately met that vision. I'm sure the vision has changed since then too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any thoughts or any mistakes? You're like, no, I just agree. No, no, no. I mean, that's 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 uh, that's spot on. I mean, I, I can't remember if it's true, but I feel like I feel like I feel like um, yeah, I feel like in the case of Uber, right? Like, yes, and it was just black cars. That's absolutely right. But the interesting thing about that, and it kind of goes counter to to the advice I just gave. Um, but that also might be just because they were probably like repeat founders had a bunch of like connections and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. the biggest criticism they got, and you can read the early deck, is that like this was a small market, right? And that it, it didn't meet the bar actually that I just described around like being massive and being important enough to like pay off the thing. Because people thought about it as like a taxi service. Right. They didn't think about it as like a transportation, like, you know, a new mode of transportation and that it would actually replace actual cars and so that i just i i paused for a bit because it was an interesting example that you brought up where i was like oh actually that's one where it was an example where it, you know obviously from the decks it, it it was clear that they weren't pitching it as the big vision right it's obviously close funding for different reasons um and then it ended up working out so i remember uh, reading a book that uber was like trying to be like exclusive right like a black car like like a taxi almost like a limo right and then yeah. it wasn't now look i could be wrong on this but i think i remember this properly but it wasn't until lyft came along where they're like lyft was like hey pink mustache any car doesn't matter right we're gonna be like yeah. the airbnb and uber was trying to be this exclusive thing and then that's where it was like okay let me pivot this because this they were they were lyft was starting to take off in new york and then uber was like trying to be more on the west coast and then uber was like okay let's just do it for everybody and that's sort yeah. of if i remember correctly from this book that i read but that sounds about right that sounds about right yeah yeah okay Cool. Yeah. Let's get into round two. All right. One more joke, Ian. All right. I clearly won this round. So <laughs> you owe me a drink. How about that? Right. Yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> All right. Ian, Stephen King has a son named Joe. I'm not joking, but he is. There you go. Joking. Nice. Oh, my God. All These right. are dad jokes. Oh, my God. All right. We'll take a look at Kathy's app. She's been waiting. Thank you for your patience, Kathy. She's got a taro simple she's got the plus version which is the paid version and then she also has the free version that she actually linked us to and so we can take a look at the free version first kathy because i'm just going to assume that you're getting 
downloads on the the free version. But congrats on the reviews. I, the, I think you're in Canada because you sent me the Canadian link, but you got a lot of great reviews in Canada as well. So congratulations on that. But Ian, go ahead, kick it off for me. What do you see from the App Store presence? Kathy is here, so be kind, Ian, okay? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, okay, so for the first, okay, so for like the title and the subtitle, I, like, okay, I'm clear what the product is. That makes sense. Um, I've heard, and maybe you can, you're the expert here, Steve, so you let me sure. know, but like reusing, you don't want to like reuse the same keywords in like your title and your subtitle because you just, you know, you have a limited amount and so you want to optimize for having variety. So that's maybe number one. I don't know, Steve, is that is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah. so I, I see Tara and I see cards, you know, that, and I see reading. You could potentially, that's space for like other kind of keywords that you might be able to rank on. Yeah. Uh, so that's number one. On the screenshots, I mean, there's a lot of text here. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, um, the uh, learn. Let's see. Uh, so the actual functionality uh, kind of makes sense. That's that's my big feedback here. Is like the um, there's a lot of text. I probably won't read that, um, yeah. and I don't think much people read it. So if you're really trying to get something out there beyond the headline, then I would shorten that. That way, you can you give them a chance to actually like read the thing. Um, and then we could go into like the visuals of the, of the app once we're in there. Um, yeah. but I do have some, some comments on that too. Okay. Let's do Well, uh, I agree with you, Ian, you know, Kathy, and <laughs> she's like, don't roast me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Okay. So what I would say, I, the look, tarot card readings, they, I would keep the car like that phrase together because I do know their search volume for that and they're not as competitive. So here, I'll just even put this. See, as you can see, it's like tarot card reading. And I know you have meetings, meanings too, but I would just call your app tarot card reading simple or simple tarot card reading and try to go all in on this keyword because that's what this app does. You do have some AI powered, but what's the win, right? Like it could just be like simple tarot card readings, get AI empowered reading interpretations, you know, use daily, save your readings, whatever, big and bold. Don't you have too much text, big and bold, and really like optimize the screenshots. You know, we have some case studies. I don't always recommend like optimizing screenshots unless they're not that pretty. And Kathy, unfortunately, it's not that pretty because we have seen like optimizing the the screenshots lead to 30%, 91% for one of our clients, other clients, where without changing the keywords, we just got more downloads. So think about really A-B testing those screenshots here. And then title card readings, in the title, along with meanings in the subtitle, look, because you got Canada, there's French Canadian, and there's also Spanish Mexico for the US App Store. And so maybe the Spanish Mexico title says tarot card meanings, and the tarot card readings is in the US title, tarot card meanings is in the Spanish Mexico title, because those both have pretty decent traffic. And so now you're trying to optimize for both and trying to help you US and the French Canadian, same thing for Canada, if you don't have French in that. All right, let's take a look at the app. Doop. Okay. Hello, sure, why not? I I always say, I always say, ask after not to track on those, but. Not track, I always say go for it. And I'm like, all right, yeah. man. Cause yeah. you know, Ian, I'm trying to support the developers, man. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll do, what do you wanna do? One card, two card, three card? Uh, One, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking one too. All right. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't know. 
I didn't know there's so many. All right, let's go. Let's do a reading. Let's have some fun. All right, shuffle. Okay, I like this. I like that. Nice 90s. animation. Yeah, deal. Deal. Love it. Touch card. Oh, I love this. See, very like, keep it simple, right? Simple. Yeah. All right. Mm, tap card for meaning. Okay. Let's see. What do we got in innocence? The recipient of news or message regarding love or relationships. Uh, interesting. I like it. I'm not thrilled with this card, but like, okay. I don't know what it means though. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I don't have like a, a feeling reading this like, oh, great card. Like today's going to be great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't use these kind of apps, so I have, I have no idea like what I love this stuff good, Ian. <laughs> good in, in terms of like tarot cards and stuff like that. Um, but Okay, so like first of all, the onboarding was like pretty simple. There was some like really cool like interactions um, with the card flipping and like the shuffle. So I think mm -hmm. like kudos to that. That's really amazing. Um, initially, I, so so there's there's parts of this that are like cool in terms of like a visual standpoint, and then parts where I'm like, oh, um, I wish it could be better. So like things that were cool is it, it does definitely give me that like. If now I think about it, like it does m match the aesthetic of like what a like a tarot card app would look like yeah like i like i i live in new york city and so there's all these like psychic reading stores and they always have this kind of like weird like cheesy look to them and so like and so it kind of, this kind of fits it you know like like the illustrative like whimsical like look so so i guess that that's on brand so that's good with like the actual text and things like that and like the line spacing because it is very text heavy i would like encourage like more line height between the two, more white space to kind of, mm -hmm. that's usually what you want to do with very text heavy apps is like, like be very generous with the white space. It will just make it easier to kind of like parse um, and not feel so crammed and information dense, if you will. Yeah. Um, but the actual app itself and the flow and the UX, I think um, it, it's, it's good. I mean, it gets like the it. job done, you know, it's very simple, which is great. You know, I hate apps that are like, oh, there's like a bajillion things and you don't know what to click on and, and what the flow is to actually like get to the thing you're trying to get to. So Kathy, I did touch the card and I got this. I think, you know, I think we're all looking for the reading. So maybe the emphasis should be more on the reading and less on the save and restart side of things. I don't know. You know, your users, if they like multiple cards, <laughs> but I think maybe just um, like a bigger thing to show like tap for reading, you know, like, or reading, you know, get your reading. Right. And then, sorry, this is these buttons, the start and save, depending on your, you know, your data, right? Like I'm just going off of just the fly right here, but the save and start could just be easily buttons, you know, like a little bookmark icon, restart the little restart icon. And then, you know, the back card. So like you can probably de-emphasize save and start unless you see that people are tapping that the most, but like it could be, cause I personally like, you know, I'm here to get the reading and this was what i was looking for versus wait was that the card. reading i thought we already saw the reading no so the card was for meaning of the tarot card and then oh. the reading was this little circle thing and so when i tap this which is ai powered it tells me what it means and i you know for oh. me i felt an emotion off of this versus the actual meaning of the card oh i see i see yeah i didn't realize there was a just like there was two different yeah. paths, like a meaning and then the the reading, essentially. Yeah, and you could put like meaning and reading, right? Like, and then yeah, uh, and then they just make these icons, or yeah, 
vice versa. Yeah. But if that's what yeah, people the, want. Yeah. Yeah, the save and restart definitely should be like a like a sub like deprioritized, I think. It definitely looks like the main call to action when you, you see go. when you look at that screen. So the other thing I don't know is like I don't if you're trying to monetize off of this, look, I've worked with a lot of astrology apps and you know, we've worked with some of the biggest ones. We're still working with one of the biggest ones, but like you know, you can charge, you know, definitely one of the best practices is to show, like Ian said earlier, the, um, they're most excited when they're on the onboarding, when they just downloaded your app, that's when they're most excited. And so that's when you can show your paywall and get them to try to pay. Now, if you're trying to get them to buy the pro version, I don't know what I get with the pro version, but I would try to show your, have an onboarding screen still couple of different screens just to remind people what they're here and what makes you different and then show them the paywall and get them to like pay when they're most excited which is when they for when the first time they're using the app right. do you think some- do you think based on your experience do you think a model where like where they had to pay to see the the reading like something like really small like 99 cents or whatever would would convert yeah. well or do you think do you think these like pro you get all this crap for like five five bucks a month is 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 like better? I think I would the, the my thinking in especially in the early days and especially if you're trying to be bootstrapped is lock up more stuff. So maybe yeah. it's everything else is locked except card of the day and so yeah. or unlabeled yeah. reading, right? And then yeah, I like your thing. So like the first time, maybe you give it for free, but you could yeah. also say like, hey, you want to get your reading, watch an ad or get pro, right? Because that's yeah. what we're here for, and so yeah, I, yeah, I or, like that yeah. idea. Or you can imagine, like, kind of like, like, like what uh, the paywall news posts do. You kind of get a little bit of the reading, and then mm-hmm. it kind of fades off, and then you have to like unlock for ninety nine cents or whatever. Dude, I just yeah. saw an app that did that really well. I forgot where it was, and it was like so prompted. But you remember, like, I forgot what the app was called. Hooked, I think it was called Hooked. But it was these like chat stories, they do yeah. such a good job of like. I almost bought, and I guess <laughs> that's no indication of me that I didn't buy, but like they do such a great job of like getting people really engaged. And then, yeah, I like your idea. I was like, you want to see the whole full meaning or reading, then yep. you're going to have to subscribe and pay. Oh, there you go. Yep. Here it is. You So you have to buy readings. Yeah, I like it. So yeah, I think you can go subscription on this. Try it. It's definitely worked for others. You know, unlimited readings, you can have whatever type of like, value prop you have for the subscription, but people definitely pay for this stuff. I, I know it. So great job. Yeah, it's actually, really it's actually surprising how many people pay for, for this stuff and stuff, like digital content in general. <laughs> oh, I had a great conversation with the client yesterday about all this stuff. Uh, seems letter grid. seems like there are so many tarot card readings out there. How's this one different from others? Um, I don't think you need to be that different. Seven said, how did you ask for, how did you get 500 plus reviews? Seven. Ask for the review prompt. Ian, this works. Ask for the review prompt early, just like Kathy did. Kathy, I gave you a five-star rating. We have some data that says showing it like literally after the paywall. If you look at the Genie chat GPT app, they, it's literally their second screen. They're asking for a review. And so yeah. asking for it early on does really work. And then one in reading per day is free. I like it. And then what do you think about locking things up though? Since my users have had it for free till now, Kathy, like... It works. So like, it's up to you. Like it's really in your goal, right? One, you may disappoint a lot of your users and get one, one star reviews. We're, we're dealing with this for one of our apps. And then secondly, you will make more money. So like, you know, it's sort of a fine balance and it's only you can decide. Uh, cool. I love it. Ian, anything that I missed? 
that you want to make sure we cover? Um, no, I mean, this was a, this was a lot of fun. It was fun dissecting uh, the different apps. Yeah, I had fun too. All right. Well, Ian, dude, so good to catch up with you. Congrats. I talked to you when I first found out about Umano. I was like, I got to talk to this guy. This is a great app idea. I absolutely love it. Obviously, I was right. It was a great app idea because it got acquired by Dropbox. So congratulations to you. But go check out Ian's new app. Search for Gem AI. You'll find it in the App Store. Beautiful icon. Beautiful, beautiful approach. I know Luis asked for Ian's LinkedIn post. So I will put it into the description in your favorite podcast app or YouTube video. And so you guys can check out his post there as well. Ian, if the audience wants to connect with you in any other way, do you want to send them anywhere else? Uh, yeah, Twitter, Ian Mendiola, at Ian Mendiola. You can follow me there or you can uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Awesome. His LinkedIn profile yeah. is in the YouTube description podcast app. And I'll definitely add his Twitter profile as well. Ian, congrats on the success, man. So good awesome. to catch up with you. Likewise. And then next week, we got Cleary from Notability. If you guys don't know that app, you should definitely check it out. We're going to talk all about influencer marketing, how she's been able to create an ambassador program. And then just like, frankly, the thing I asked her yesterday when we were preparing for the live stream was like, wait, how do you get students to pay? Because their app is mainly targeted for students. So we're going to break all that down every Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific. Join us, make sure. And then the podcast, if you guys can't watch, it's kind of scary, Ian. Sometimes we'll get these like posts where people are watching us on the TV and I'm like, yo, HD, Steve, no go. <laughs> but if you guys just want <laughs> to take funny. us along your walk, just take us the podcast. The audio version goes live every Monday on the podcast as well. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Ian, thank you so much, man. Awesome. This is fun. Right. Thank you. Good catch. Now. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Tired of overpaying for app store optimization? Get unlimited ASO and app marketing support to increase your keyword rankings, downloads, and more importantly, your revenue. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.